Welcome to Lydia Finette's Claim Your Confidence, a podcast that will introduce you to the most powerful women in the world as they talk about their own confidence journey. No matter what obstacles you face, Claim Your Confidence will inspire you, motivate you, and give you a roadmap to live the life you want. So, are you ready to claim your confidence? Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Claim Your Confidence. I'm Lydia Finette, and I am so delighted that you're joining me again today. I have an incredible guest for you today. Jean Chatsky is joining me. She has the most incredible way of taking the most complicated world of money and explaining it in a way that we can all understand. So after a short break from our sponsors, we're going to hear from Jean. Welcome back to Claim Your Confidence, everyone. I'm Lydia Finette, and I'm so thrilled to have such an incredible guest with me here today. Jean Chatsky is the CEO of HerMoney.com and the host of podcast Her Money with Jean Chatsky. She served as the financial editor for the Today Show for 25 years and has been on CNN, MSNBC, name a news station. She's the CEO of a multimedia company, Her Money, and she has two podcasts, 13 books, and I'm so excited to have her here with me today. Jean, thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, we all know money is kind of a topic that we don't always talk about, which is really interesting because it is probably the most important topic in everyone's life. So I want to get started at the very beginning of your life. Where did you grow up? Oh, that's a loaded question for me. I, I, <laughs> I don't usually get that answer. All over. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I grew up all over. My dad was a college professor. So Michigan, Wisconsin, Indiana, West Virginia, Illinois, went to college in Pennsylvania and then spent about 30 years in New York. And what were you like as a kid? Were you a confident child? Did you have siblings? I did have two siblings. I'm the oldest of three. So bossy older sister. <laughs> Confidence for me, and I suspect this is true of so many of the people that you talk to, confidence was really a journey. A lot of people ask me if it was hard to move around so much. And I switched schools pretty much on every break. So elementary school in one town, middle school in one town, high school in one town. And I hated it really at the time. But in hindsight, it taught me sort of a form of confidence. Mm -hmm. it, it taught me how to talk to people, right? Mm -hmm. I can be in an elevator and I can have a conversation. I'm not sort of shy about that. And moving around was a gift in that way, although I certainly didn't see it in the moment. I, I remember, you know, leaving one town and looking out the back of the station wagon and oh. just sobbing. <laughs> so in hindsight, it was actually a blessing. Did you reinvent yourself? I've always wondered this. If mm. you're able to move from place to place, you decide like, this is the school that I'm going to be the funny one, <laughs> or is this the school I'm going to be the really confident one? Yeah. Or this is the school where I'm gonna actually decide to go out for the school play, right? Yeah. This is the school where I'm going to run on the cross country team, which I never thought I would do, but I did because I made one friend very early in getting to Wheeling, West Virginia, where I went to high school and she was going out for cross country. So I went out for cross country and have been a lifelong runner. So thank her for that. <laughs> that was a gift in itself as well. It was. I do think you reinvent yourself along the way if you're given the opportunity, particularly after 
middle school, which is just so devastating for so many girls. I know, the braces. Um, it certainly was for yeah, me. Yeah, really, all of it. I have a daughter who's in fourth grade and going into middle school next year. And you sort of see the fourth grade drama starting to boil up. And I definitely remember it. I don't know what it is about those years that it really tests your confidence in so many different ways. And I can look back even on my middle school time and think about all the lessons I learned, good and bad, even as it pertains to friendships with other women and how that's informed my friendships over the course of my life. Like, don't do that again, being one of those things. I often think about the way that I handled some of those situations. So it is part of that life lesson and probably that confidence journey as well. Yeah, I think so. And I I also think you're just, at least I wasn't confident in my own body in those years, right? You're growing, your hair won't do the right thing. (laughs) I, I went from very thick glasses to contact lenses and an overbite to braces to getting the braces off. And all of that is definitely very helpful, but it it takes years. It takes years for sure. Well, you talk about reinventing yourself in school, but I also think that you know, if I think of you and your voice is so distinctive, by the way, when you jumped on to talk, it's so funny. I feel like I'm listening to the Today Show as a younger woman. I'm getting ready in my apartment, listening to Jean Chatsky's tips. But you didn't start out as somebody for whom money was a topic, really. What did you major in in college? It wasn't finance. No, it was English. So really the polar opposite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wanted to be a journalist yeah. with a capital J and work in a magazine and live in New York. And so when I moved to New York after graduating from college, the job that I got was as the editorial assistant to the business editor at Working Woman Magazine, which doesn't exist anymore. But say, Working Woman Magazine. My yeah. gosh, it sounds very like Melanie Griffith, Working Girl. <laughs> it was that. It, it was. I mean, I look at the covers that we published and I just I just cringe because that's exactly <laughs> that's exactly what they look like. But it was a weird magazine. Yeah. It, it had food, it had fashion, but it also had business and careers. And it was a good fit for me. I, I actually was pretty good at math in high school. Mm-hmm. I liked learning that numbers could tell a story. And when I was ready to leave Working Woman, I went in search of a job at a business magazine and could not get one. The big business magazines thought that Working Woman was a joke. Mm-hmm. And so I floundered for a while. I did a lot of freelancing. I went to cooking school actually for six months and eventually decided that I was going to apply for jobs on Wall Street because I thought about what we really did when we wrote business stories. And a lot of the times we interviewed research analysts Mm -hmm. who talked to companies and CEOs and those research analysts had to write a lot of reports. And I thought, oh, I could do that. And maybe that would give me the chops to get a job in business journalism. So I spent a couple of years at Dean Witter in Mm -hmm. equity research and then re-entered the world of journalism at Forbes. So it was a bit of a process. But obviously an evolution. If I could just pause for a second here and ask you, because you're so great at giving tips about what you should do and what you should be thinking about with money. Let's go back to those early 20-year-olds. You know, if there are 20-year-olds who are listening, women who are graduating from college, women who are just starting out in careers, what should you really be thinking about at this point? And I, I want to also tell everyone that Gina and I had a really interesting conversation about how neither one of us really understood how credit cards worked when we first graduated from college. And so 
tell give us some tips like what should i have known sure. when i was in my 20s hiking up my fifth floor walk up burning through my credit card and not paying my minimum what should i have done differently jean tell me first of all that credit card was not your friend and no. it certainly wasn't my friend i was telling lydia that i racked up credit card debt equal to a full half year salary mm-hmm. and at the same time I had this savings account that I was growing on the side. And, you know, savings rates were better than this was the late 80s. I was maybe earning, I don't know, five, 6% on my savings, but I was paying 24% on that credit card. Mm-hmm. And yet, to me, it felt really safe to have a savings account with money when, in fact, it was costing me 20% plus just to leave that money sitting there. And so finally, a smarter friend told me, you take that money and you pay off that credit card. Yeah. which I did. But I I think that the most important things in your 20s are, there are probably three of them. The first is to get yourself in the habit of spending less than you make. Mm -hmm. And depending on how much you make, that may involve a side gig. I had a very early side gig. I taught SATs for the Princeton Review because I was only making $11,000 a year, which even at the time was not enough to live in a walk-up in Brooklyn. And that side gig helped me supplement. You're going to have to pay attention to your cash flows in order to spend less than you make, which is something that is harder to do now because money is so invisible and we move it with Venmo, we move it with swipes, we move it with taps, it just flows. And so figure out a way to track it. Save automatically is the second thing. You want a savings account for emergencies. So just take a little bit off the top every time you get paid and move it into a separate savings account. Mm -hmm. And how much do you think? Is there a specific amount or is it just pertains to whatever you feel like you can put away and still spend less? Yeah, I'd start with $100 a paycheck. If that feels like it's no problem, then bump it up to 150 and bump it up to two. The point of that emergency stash is you want to eventually have about three to six months worth of living expenses Mm -hmm. in it. And then the rest of your money should really be invested for your longer term goals. If you have a retirement plan offered to you through work, get into it. Try to contribute as much as you can to the point where you're at least maxing out any matching contributions Mm -hmm. that you're being offered. And eventually the goal is to be saving 15% of whatever it is you make. It can include those matching dollars year in and year out because you're going to need that money down the road to support you in your 60s and 70s and beyond. It's so interesting. So going back to what I was saying about hearing your voice on the Today Show, I can distinctly remember you saying that and also Susie Orman saying that. Like, And I don't even know if you were both on the Today Show at that point. I can remember hearing it. I probably heard it 25 times about contributing if your company would match. And when I worked for Christie's, they matched. And I remember changing my 401k to put aside 1% of 1% of what I was making, which was basically nothing. But just that small move, the amount of money that you get because of compound interest that just over time builds. And every year as I started making more, I would basically get to the point where I was maxing it out. Plus, just to put that money aside and watch it grow is the single most satisfying thing in the entire world. You're not doing anything. It's just growing. So if I could encourage people to do that as someone who had no financial acumen, even I did that. And it was literally the best thing I've ever done in my life. It's amazing. And watching it grow 
people don't think of that as part of the process, but that's your positive reinforcement. I actually talk about visiting your savings. If you have a series of accounts, that that emergency saving account, the account that you open because you are saving to go on a big trip or the 529 where you're putting money aside for college for your kids, Mm -hmm. just take a tour of those accounts once a month, your 401k, and watch yourself making progress and it'll actually inspire you to do a lot more. So let's move through your 20s. So you went to Money Magazine, is that correct you were saying? I went to Forbes and from Forbes to Smart Money, which was a startup at the time with some pretty wealthy corporate parents. It was the love child of the Hearst Corporation and the Wall Street Journal. (laughs) And that was where I got on the Today Show because it was a well-funded startup. We had a pretty good PR budget and they landed a spot on the early morning Today in New York show for our editor-in-chief who did the show precisely once and said he was not getting up at five in the morning and there was no (laughs) coffee and how dare they. And so it sort of rotated around people on our staff for a while. And when I did it, I guess I did well because they just asked me to come back. So I did that show for three years and then I got picked up on today. And what did that feel like? Tell me about that call. Oh, man, that was just uh, huge and incredibly nerve wracking, by the way. I mean, I think you see people on TV or hear them on TV and you think that they have no nerves. I mean, for me, I got sick to my stomach for the first two years that I that I did the Today Show. Every morning, I was just giving financial advice, but also feeling nauseous at the same time. (laughs) So, you know, I would get over it, but it was thrilling and exciting and opened so many doors and I will forever be grateful for it. But it was also really, really scary in the beginning. What did that do for your confidence to jump in with something that was really making you physically sick and making you feel really nervous? Like, what did it feel like when you would get in there and do it and walk away feeling good and get asked back? I definitely had an adrenaline rush when I knew that it went well. Mm -hmm. But I also remember, especially in those early years, not feeling especially confident Mm -hmm. as I would leave the studio. I remember, you know, looking for reinforcement from people that I trusted. I would talk to my parents after every segment. And (laughs) how did um, I do? (laughs) How did I do? You know, I would I would get the feedback. You did great. Your hair didn't look so good. It was honest feedback, which was what I was looking for. But I also practiced a lot. And that was a big confidence booster. I I mean, I had this very elaborate process that I would go through before a three-minute segment where I would take what was typically a six to eight-page article from the magazine, boil it down into its salient points, the ones that I wanted to make, write out a Q&A sort of longhand on a legal pad of how I thought this was going to go, because of course they didn't share the questions with you, right, right. and then practice. At that point, I was living in the suburbs of New York. I was driving into work and I would practice out loud in my car, driving back and forth. And this was before cell phones. And I remember people looking at me and thinking, who is this crazy woman that is talking to herself? <laughs> like parked on the uh, the hutch on the way in or something like that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But you know, you gotta do what it takes to make yourself feel ready to go. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm such a huge believer in that. I mean, I talk endlessly about being on stage for 20 years and really 
years of just painful charity auctions night after night and getting back up there and being like, what could I do better? What could I, how could I make this happen when it didn't happen tonight? Or how could I turn a crowd around if they didn't feel like they were really into it? And all of that takes practice and it takes practice for you as the person who's doing it. It also takes practice and experience that really is when it all comes through and shines through. In those early days, what were you trying to tell the audience? Like, what were you doing at that point? Why was Gene Chatsky on the Today Show? What did they tell you or what did you want to bring to the audience? I wanted to bring this feeling that it wasn't rocket science. Yeah, because it feels like rocket science. Yeah, it does. And I made enough early mistakes that I knew that we were not being taught the right things. Mm -hmm. But I was having so much fun and getting so much out of the reporting that I was doing, just learning about my own finances, Mm -hmm. getting an education. I don't know if you've had this experience, but... In the early days of Smart Money, we would have these story pitch meetings that we would call Real Life Magazine Mm -hmm. because it was real life. I had a baby. I needed life insurance. I went shopping for life insurance. We did a story on what do you need to know about life insurance? I mean, it was really learning the things that we needed to know about our money to enable us all to get the lives that we wanted to get, buying a house, getting a mortgage, understanding the internet in the early days of the internet and what you could learn from the internet. I wanted to share that because it should not have been as mystifying as it was. Yeah. Especially for women. Can we talk about that for a little bit? Because I do sometimes feel like guys seem to just understand finance. I don't know if that's how I always felt as a child. Like I would always think, oh, well, the guys are in charge of the money. That's what they do. I don't know where I got that from. I can't explain why that was always the way I felt. But even with my husband, it always just seemed like he and his friends, I mean, he worked in finance, so that makes more sense, obviously. But even in our early 20s, he already had such a better understanding of finance than I did. And My 20s, 30s, and 40s became for me an education. Like I was voracious in my appetite to learn about money because I didn't feel like I knew anything about it. And it felt like such a moment of being on my back foot constantly. People would be talking about things like, what are they talking about? So then I would, you know, Google it or, you know, dive deep in to try to figure out what it is. But what do you think it is? Why do you think women come at it from that angle? I think in part what you experienced is society and parenting, Yeah, right? There have been a lot of studies that show that in the past, and it is changing, but parents put a lot more effort into educating their sons about money than they did educating their daughters. And in part, that was because there was the expectation that the guy was going to be the breadwinner, which is changing. The number of women who are the primary breadwinners for our families has tripled over the past couple of decades, which is great. And those numbers are going nowhere but up if Mm -hmm. you look at educational trends. That's part of it. But when you are earning a substantial amount of money, you also have a stake in the game and a real reason to dig in and learn about how to handle that money. I do think, by the way, there were a lot of men who were just faking it, who really didn't understand any more than we did. But they also 
probably had fathers who brought them along or mentors at work who brought them along um, because of that expectation that they were going to be the one to provide for other people. And so it's really only been recently that women have come into it. And good for you for asking all of your questions and for Googling for the answers, because the whole reason that I created Her Money, which is a website as well as a podcast, we publish some free newsletters each week talking to people about what's going on in the world and what you need to know about your money. So I hope your listeners will sign up for those. The whole reason that I started it was to create a safe space for women to learn about money, a place where we felt like we could ask any question and not be judged. You know, going back to what you said, I remember specifically having a conversation with one of my guy friends who told me that his mom sat him down in high school and said to him, listen, you need to get good grades because after high school, you need to get into a good college. And then from college, you need to go get your MBA because you need to support your family and you are going to be responsible for that. And I could not tell you one of my female friends who had a similar conversation with either of their parents in their life. And I think to that point, things are changing now, which is great. I know you obviously have a daughter. I have two daughters who are only 10 and six and a a little guy who's eight, but I feel like it's something that I so deeply want them to feel ownership of and to have an understanding of over the course of their lives, because it's also power in your life and in your relationship that you're in when you can walk in confident that you know just as much as your partner in any way, shape or form. Absolutely. And when we look at the trajectory of single women in this country and the fact that so many women are either not getting married by choice or losing spouses because men die before us or getting divorced. 90% of us are going to be alone at some point in our lives and have to manage our own money. And it's so much better to have the confidence to do that Mm -hmm. before you're forced into a situation where you're just doing it under stress for the first time. Absolutely. So when we're talking about children, you also have an incredible program called Time for Kids. Do you want to talk to me about that? Sure. So Time for Kids now exists on the website of Time for Kids. Our program, our little slice of it is called Your Money, and it is materials to teach children about money. It's a partnership that we did with the PwC Charitable Foundation and Time for Kids, the magazine. And there are so many years worth of materials on pretty much every subject from saving and spending to credit cards to crypto, that if you're looking for a way to broach a conversation with your children about these subjects, you're going to find it there. I love it. So you were with the Today Show. You're doing so many different other shows, too. I mean, I feel like I saw you on CNN. I mean, I could name MSNBC and a number of others. What was the next step for you? I think my career expanded, and by the way, it expanded because of the Today Show, right? I was on for so many years that doors started to open. And my next step was really just walking through those doors. Somebody called and they said, would you come and speak to our organization? And I had never given a speech before and I was terrified, but Mm -hmm. the money was good. And so I said, okay, I'll do that. I love that you just said the money was good. You're my favorite kind of woman. I love a woman who like (laughs) says it out loud. It drives me crazy when people beat around the bush. Like it's great to make money. It's fun to make money, right? It's empowering to make money. And for anybody who thinks that there's something 
shameful about making money. It's only when you earn well that you have the opportunity to give well, Yeah. right? And if you think about supporting the causes that you believe in and wanting to create the change that you want to see in the world, earning money gives you the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Otherwise, it, it you know, you can absolutely do a, a lot by volunteering and your time is so valuable, but earning definitely helps. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I did that. I wrote a book in the very same way, then launched Her Money. And when was this? Her Money is about four years old now. We launched as a podcast, which you're going to be a guest on. I'm very excited about that because boy, oh boy, is money a confidence issue. Yes. And we launched as a podcast about seven years ago, a weekly podcast, and it very quickly became noticeable that we were forming a community or a community was forming around us. Mm -hmm. And so we thought, well, let's just give them a home. And so we launched hermoney.com as a company, and we now do coaching mm-hmm. for women who are looking for help with their money, both with investing and with, you know, basic budgeting, saving more and spending less, launching more podcasts. We've got a lot going on. It's so fun because one thing that I love about people who are serial entrepreneurs is that they just follow the white space. And that's clearly something that you do time and time again, whether it be creating podcasts, creating more books, because I think You've written 13, is that correct, in total? Um, And your most recent book is Women With Money, The Judgment-Free Guide to Creating the Joyful, Less Stressed, Purposeful, and Yes, Rich Life You Deserve. What made you write this book? I felt like we were at a tipping point when it came to money. And you and I have been talking sort of in and around that all conversation. But when you looked at the educational trends, when you looked at the number of women who were the primary breadwinners or at least equal breadwinners for our families, and when you took a really good look at the large intergenerational transfer of wealth that's going to happen in the next few decades, it became really clear that a lot of money is going to flow into the hands of women, Mm. more money than we've had in the past. And I wanted to write a guidebook for how to manage it to create the life that you want, because the life that we want is not necessarily the life that men want. Women tend to, we tend to set goals and understand that money is a tool to be used to achieve those goals. Mm -hmm. We also have a very deeply felt desire for safety and security. And that is not something to be taken lightly. Mm -hmm. When we look at women who go through divorce, men are likely to see their standard of living rise. Women are much more likely to fall into poverty. And so you need these tools in order to protect yourself and in order to sustain the life that you've been able to create for yourself. And we're living such a long time. You need to be able to do it for decades. So that's why that book. I remember seeing a needlepoint pillow years ago that said money isn't everything, but it sure gives you options. And I do think that that's really what at the crux of it all, like money gives you options to live the Mm -hmm. life you want, to be in the life you want and to exit a life you don't want at some point as well. Yeah. That last point is particularly important. Yeah. So Tell me now, 
as you look into the future, what is next for Gene Chatsky? What What are we looking to? I mean, I don't know where you go from two podcasts and 13 books. Is it 14 books? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> but what comes next? What is your goal as a woman? What are you setting your goal and your sights on next? So my goal right now is to improve financial wellness in a mass sort of a way. We are hugely stressed out about money in this country. And so what we're doing at Her Money with our content, with our programs, with our coaching is working to help people improve financial wellness. And again, it's not rocket science. Mm -hmm. It is good habits often repeated, but sometimes you can't do it with just an app. Sometimes you need another human being to hold your hand at least for a while and help you get there in a supportive way. So we are partnering with credit unions and with employers to scale our financial wellness programs to their employees and to their members. I, for one, will definitely be following along in this journey, and I do love your podcast. So I'm A, so excited to be on it, but B, feel like I've learned so much from it. So I would absolutely encourage everyone to listen to it. Where can we find you online? Give me your website. Do your sales pitch for Gene Chatsky and, and your fantastic money education platforms everywhere. Oh, well, thank you. So uh, on social media, I am at Jean Chatsky. I'm pretty much on every platform. So please connect with me. We answer everything that comes our way. And go to hermoney.com and you'll find our programs. You'll find a box that says subscribe where you can get our newsletters. And you'll also find our money type personality quiz, which is just really fun and tells you a lot about why you are the way you are with money, which if you haven't taken a deep dive into it, it has a lot to do with how you were raised as a child, but it's fascinating. Well, I think it all goes back to, I love when you said just I follow up with everything. I'll answer everything. It all probably goes back to that little girl who's being transferred from school to school, being a new person in every place and meeting everyone. So, Jean, thank you so much for joining me today. I've learned so much. I know our listeners will have also learned so much. Thank you to Rockefeller Center and to Newsstand Studio and to the amazing producer, Joe, who is on my left, who makes this all happen. I'm Lydia Finette. This is Claim Your Confidence. And I want to leave you all with one thought. I was thinking about what Jean said about something that at the time she didn't realize was as a gift, right? Learning to have to be someone new in every location and becoming more confident as she went along that journey. What in your life did you not realize was a gift for a little while? Think about that. Throw it to me on the DM. Send it to Jean. We are looking forward to it and we will both respond. I too am a responder. This is Claim Your Confidence. I'm Lydia Finette and I look forward to you all tuning in again next week. <laughs>